0: This episode of Everything Sounds is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial with no credit card required and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code EVSounds. That's EVSounds, E-V-S-O-U-N-D-S.
1: Ignition sequence start,
2: Everything. everything, sounds, sounds. This is Everything Sounds. I'm Greg Shank. I'm George Drake Jr. and this is Everything Sounds. In February
0: of 2014, NPR's proto-journalist made a list of the oddest college courses in America. It's not very long, there's only about six. Through Rutgers' Women's and Gender Studies department, you can take Politicizing Beyonce, smartphone photography at Portland Community College, you can study zombies at George Mason University, the history of surfing through University of North Carolina Wilmington, and Maledicta, an academic exploration of ritualized verbal abuse at Harvard, of all places. If you were counting along, you only got up to five
2: and George is going to tell you about the sixth one, which he has a little bit of personal experience with. (laughs) Uh, Craig and I went to Indiana University, and IU is known for a lot of things, but one of the most known is its music school, and they know it too. It's the only department on campus with its own fountain. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) But naturally, there's a wide variety of courses to take. You can take the music of the 70s and 80s, or the music of the 60s, or more specifically, you can take the history of jazz, the blues, or rock and roll, or even more specifically, the music of Bob Dylan, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix. But there's one that made NPR's list. It was the music of Frank Zappa. I took it while I was a student there, and this guy's the teacher.
1: I'm Andy Hollandon, and I'm a senior lecturer at the IU Jacob School of Music.
0: So I took a couple of Andy's classes while I was at IU, and he's known for telling these great stories. He's met a lot of musicians, and he's been incredibly involved with music himself. And I just love that he was open enough with us to tell us about his band, Squeeby D. And he even (laughs) spelled it on the board during class. He's like, yeah, man, we weren't that good, but we were Squeeby D. Wouldn't you want to see that? (laughs)
2: Well, there's a story he tells each year uh, that I felt needed to be shared with more than just a small classroom of Zappa nerds. So I asked him to tell the whole story. The whole story from beginning to end? The whole thing. Cool. It's known as the Zappa dummy story.
1: Well I became a, a gigantic Frank Zappa fan when I was about a sophomore in high school. I really didn't know his music before then. I, I think like a lot of people I just assumed that he was sort of a comedian. And I remember one day I was at the record store in my hometown, and as is my wont, I would start at the A's and go through the entire alphabet looking for something to buy. And that particular day I couldn't find anything that I wanted to buy. And I got all the way down to the Z's. And so I'm looking at this Frank Zappa album called Apostrophe. And I thought, oh, well, there's that Frank Zappa guy. He's, he's kind of a weirdo or he's kind of funny or whatever. When I looked at the song titles on the back of it, and it had songs like Stinkfoot and Saint Alfonso's pancake breakfast and I thought, well, this looks funny enough that maybe I should buy it so I did. Anyway, to make a long story short, I, you know, I th- from th- my life changed that day. I took that album home and was just flabbergasted. Some of it was funny, of course, but the the composition and the musicianship on that album was something like unlike anything I'd ever heard. So anyway, I, I became a, a a Zappa disciple, for lack of a better term, and and it was my nature to, to then go back and, and get every record that he ever released. So I, I just became consumed with Frank Zappa and wore Frank Zappa T-shirts to school every day and had Frank Zappa posters all over my wall, you know, kind of like those those nerdy kids who don't seem to have anything else going on in their life. And... In my junior year of high school, after being a Zappa nut for about a year, I was in my high school art class, and the the assignment was to make something out of textiles, you know, out of cloth and yarn and, you know, textiles. So I, I, I thought, well, I will use this opportunity to make a life-size Frank Zappa dummy, and I went to work on this dummy, and I and I put a lot of work into it. Quite frankly, I made this I made this thing um, to look as realistic as possible, and it took a bunch a bunch of time to do. For example, well, here's what's stupid about it is I stuffed it with pink fiberglass insulation. I don't know if you've ever dealt with pink fiberglass insulation, but ramming your hand down into the arms of a Frank Zappa dummy full of pink fiberglass insulation is not a good idea. Especially if, like a dumbass, you go lay down on your bed and get fiberglass insulation in your sheets. But anyway, I'm trying to to make you think that that this was a really nice dummy. So anyway, like I, I, I used black yarn for the hair, but that didn't look realistic enough. So I sat for days unraveling each and every strand of that black yarn to make it look more like real hair. I had these glass eyes that I put on and, you know, and I painted the, the hands and face pink. But I just dressed it in clothes. You know, I, 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 put, I put a pair of pants on it and a pair of boots on it and a shirt and a tie and a, and a like a suit jacket. So so anyway, the long and short of it was I finished this Zappa dummy. And actually, it, it won the, a blue ribbon at our uh, county art fair, so it's an award-winning Zappa dummy. And what's the stupid story about it was they had the winning pieces of art on display at a, at a bank in my hometown down in Tell City, Indiana. And so the Frank Zappa dummy, I had it down in the, national, in the uh, Tell City National Bank sitting on a lawn chair and somebody came along at night and called the cops on it. 911,
2: what's your emergency? Uh, there's a suspicious long-haired man in the Tell City
1: Bank. They, they, they looked in the bank and they thought there was a guy lounging around on a lawn chair <laughs> inside the bank in the middle of the night. And so the police come down and, uh, you know, get into the bank and realize it's uh, Frank Zappa. What's
2: the status at the bank? It's a Frank Zappa dummy. Uh, a
1: what? My high school yearbook. Uh, published a picture of me holding the Zappa dummy at, of all things, a high school pep rally. Because <laughs> in my high school, every time there was a, bo- a home ball game or a basketball game, they would hold these pep rallies. And uh, if you know anything about Frank Zappa, he, you know, he he released a song on the second album called "Status Back Baby," where he says, "I'm losing status at the high school," you know, and he says, "A bunch of pom-pom girls look down their nose at me." Because they painted a bunch of posters, but I had painted three. You know, so this notion of like this kind of rah rah sis boom bah you know, pom pom girl thing. I thought it would be funny to take Frank Zappa to a Tulsa City High School pep rally. So anyway, as I'm walking around this rally with the with a friend of mine helping me carry the Frank Zappa dummy, somebody from the yearbook comes and snaps a photo of that. So anyway, in the fo- in the in the high school yearbook that year there's a picture of me and it says as a special guest of Andy Holland at a pep session is Frank Zappa so anyway anyway as you can imagine the the Frank Zappa dummy was kind of a hit in my school and it was featured a little bit in a picture in my high school yearbook and so ha 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 Holland and his Zappa obsession was kind of funny and after a couple years you know you've you've taken all the dumb pictures you can with the dummy and It actually it got wet and started to to stink a little bit. I came to IU and in 1981, Zappa was going to come and play over at the IU auditorium, and so I figured, well, this is the perfect the perfect chance to give Frank Zappa the Frank Zappa dummy because I didn't know if I was going to needed to throw it out or what.
0: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and all of the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. It all starts
2: at just $8 a month. You can begin a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code EVSounds to get 10% off and show your support for everything sounds. And thanks.
1: When the tickets went on sale for the Zappa concert, I knew if I was going to give him that dummy, I needed to be in the front row. I I was going to be in the front row no matter what. And so it's the only time in my life I ever camped out for tickets. I mean, literally took a sleeping bag and slept on the sidewalk outside of a ticket office because I just assumed there was going to be a big rush for Zappa tickets. And me and my friends, we woke up the next morning and looked around, and there was nobody else there. We'd camped out, <laughs> I had slipped that on the concrete for nothing. But anyway, of course, we, we order our tickets, and we're in the very front row. And, I mean, dead center front row. And so the night of the concert, I came walking in with the Zappa dummy over my shoulder, and I was surprised because some of Zappa's stage people came up to me immediately, and they warned me very sternly. They said, don't you be throwing that thing up on stage. Did you hear me? Don't even think about it. Evidently, you know, Frank had been attacked on stage years prior, and he was always sick of people throwing crap up on stage. So they let me know that um, I was not to throw that dummy up on stage. So I had it just sit it, seated in the aisle, you know, beside me. And at one point during the concert, Frank comes up to the front of the stage, and he reaches down, and he grabs the Zappa dummy by the hair, and he and he holds it aloft. It was a pretty big thing. He had to actually hold it up pretty high for it to to not you know drag the ground so anyway the crowds getting all excited and cheering for this and Frank's walking around showing the zappa dummy to the audience and eventually he puts it back on the keyboard players keyboard rig where it stayed for the rest of the concert and after the concert the Indiana Daily student the the campus newspaper wrote a review and they said you know a a highlight of the concert was when an an excited fan rushed on stage and handed frank a life-size dummy (laughs) which is totally untrue because i didn't rush on stage i knew you couldn't do that so i had a i had a new insight into journalism as a result i i thought that was that i i I didn't put a note in it i didn't try to get backstage and say hey i'm the Zappa dummy guy or anything like this so I did not know I didn't know what happened I thought maybe they had thrown it in the dumpster outside the auditorium anyway that was in 1981 I made the dummy in 1978 so in 1981 I gave it to Frank Zappa and as years go by I I, it, it fate has it that I turned into a rock and roll history teacher and at some point I was able to start developing you know my own courses and because we already had a course on the music of the Beatles here at IU I went to the Dean of the School of Music and asked if I could develop a class on the music of Frank Zappa and they thought that was an okay idea so I went about doing that but in 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 doing so I thought it was necessary to contact Frank's widow Gail Zappa you know they're very protective of his legacy and I just wanted to get her blessing, quite frankly, Frank had passed away just a few years prior. This was in the mid-1990s at this point. I make contact with Gail Zappa and I'm trying to score points with her and and I tell her what a big Zappa fan I was and how I had all of his records and I wore his t-shirts every day and how I made a dummy of her, you know, late husband and gave it to him at a concert here at IU. And she said, you made that? She goes, I, I I saw that. And I was like, wow, really? So the, I, I thought that was exciting that the dummy made it at least from Indiana to California so that she could at least see it. Anyway, she invites me out to Los Angeles to, to meet with her to see if, you know, she likes me enough to where I could, you know, she would, you know, give her blessing for this Zappa course I'm teaching and whatnot. And so we got along really well. And at one point, during my visit, her assistant drove me down into uh, Los Angeles where Frank had a rehearsal facility that he called Joe's Garage, where he would rehearse his bands as they prepared to go off on tour. And as I walk into Joe's garage, you come into a receiving area and then you walk through a door into the main, you know, rehearsal areas and whatnot. and there, imagine my surprise there, up up on a platform up above the door as you walk you know into the rehearsal area was my zappa dummy that i had given to frank about oh 15 years prior that dummy was sitting on a lawn chair in joe's garage frank's rehearsal facility and i i thought i was gonna die and what's weird about it was somebody had replaced somebody had taken the suit jacket that I originally had on it, and replaced it with a really cheap, crappy-looking robin's egg blue jacket, <laughs> and somebody had taken the tie and replaced it with a crappier tie, which makes me realize that I probably had pretty decent vintage clothes on the dummy in the first place that somebody thought, you know, this is a pretty nice dummy, but I'm going to wear that tie and that jacket. And they took them. Maybe Frank wore them. Maybe Frank wore them. I don't know. Um, without getting into it too much you know F- frank believed that the true nature of the universe is non-linear that, that linear time is something that we as human beings are forced um it, it, we're forced into perceiving the universe as a it, through linear time as a series of moments but the true nature of the universe is actually one giant simultaneous now in which everything exists and will exist simultaneously and the only reason i bring this up is that i stood there looking up this was in 1996 or 7 maybe 98 i don't remember the exact year but i'm looking at this zappa dummy in the late 90s and at the exact same time i felt myself being in 1981 at that frank zappa concert with him holding it aloft and the crowd cheering and at the exact same time, I was also in 1978 as a high school student making that Zappa Dummy. So I, I kid you not, I, lit, I really felt like I was in three times simultaneously. And so I thought that was a, a, a very poignant moment that the, the underlying philosophy of all Frank Zappa music was made evident to me in a very dramatic fashion because of that Frank Zappa Dummy that I made when I was a junior in high school. You know, if, if the day ever came that they didn't want it, I, I would take it back. I think that there'd be a certain amount of closure if I ever got the dummy back. My guess is someday it'll just get thrown away. That's my guess. I'm just assuming that it's still there in Los Angeles, but I guess I don't have any proof of that. It's been you know over 15 years since I even saw it. So maybe it's still there, maybe it's not, I don't know.
2: If you'd like to see what the Zappa dummy looks like, we've got that picture from his high school yearbook, as well as the NPR article of all of the strange college courses on our website, everythingsounds.org. There you can also find links to connect with us on whichever social
0: platform you're using these days, Facebook, SoundCloud, we tweet at EvSounds,
2: they're all there. Today's episode was sponsored by Sound Studio 4 by Felt-Tip, Inc. Sound Studio 4 for Mac lets you record audio, create podcasts, digitize tapes and records, and create sound effects for your own projects. Information on all of the features is at macsoundstudio.com or in the Mac App Store. Again, that's Sound Studio 4 for Mac. Also by Warby Parker, a new concept in eyewear with
0: an objective to create classically crafted eyewear at revolutionary prices. Warby Parker has a home try-on program that lets you try on five different frames to find the pair that works for you. Each pair is available exclusively through Everything Sound's Warby Parker page at warbyparker.com sounds, starting at just
2: $95. Until next time, I'm Craig Shank. And I'm George Drake Jr. Thanks for listening to Everything Sounds.